When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Vocal Report Extra Pod in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. Brett here and this week I'm joined by Bomber in Gloucester. Bomber, how are you doing? Hello Brett, yeah I'm alright mate, not too bad. It's been a little while since I've been on an extra, I've been exclusively on the player rating so yeah it's good to make a return. I know it's a, it might be a refreshing change actually for you this evening, enough to keep you just, you know, make loads of notes down and have a load of numbers lined up for people. Yeah. Um, and I've also another person making their debut on the uh, extra. You've been on the uh, reins a few times. It's uh, Phil Butler in Newcastle. Phil, how are you doing? Uh, very good. Even better after uh, the recent result we've just all watched. Um, like Bomber, uh, good not to have to remember loads of numbers uh, <laughs> and just enjoy, enjoy a game of football for a change. It was nice. So just sort of a break that fourth wall so we're recording at the moment it is quarter past nine on uh tuesday evening so peterborough have just lost 3-1 to blackpool which puts us in a very very good position so we'll take a couple of steps back so obviously saturday we drew one all um with lincoln which you know wasn't a bad result in the end um now after this result today that leaves us uh played 35 games 64 points Peterborough, 36 games, 66 points. Hull, 37 games, 69 points. Phil, how are you feeling about us at the moment? The running, can we do it? What are your, what are your thoughts right now? Generally, I think if you'd asked me this at five o'clock on Saturday, I would have said, might be the playoffs again. The sort of as time's gone on from the game, I'm probably thinking, you know what, we can do it. I think we can finish top two, we can finish first. Yeah, I think we're sort of where the informed team. I had a look at the uh, a few of the form and things like that. And if you if you just take the table from Lee Johnson's time as manager, we're top. And I think it's so tight there at the minute that if we're the form team and if we continue this form, we'll be uh, we'll be finishing top in you know what is it eleven games time? I think uh, it's ten games left um, for us this season. And I suppose do you remember that Shrewsbury game when we lost? And I've said that and you're both nodding heads like mm. nodding dogs there. But, but I'll jump on you. Do you remember that Shrewsbury game when we lost and it just felt like the world had ended. We're going to be stuck in League One for another season. What was that? Eight weeks ago? Was it eight weeks, was it, I suppose? Uh, the first week of February it was. Yeah, so so we just, we're talking six weeks ago, probably. Six, seven weeks ago. And... We're now talking where we're going to finish bomber. Where, how, where? What are your thoughts at the moment? What we're going to be doing? Yeah, I mean, for me, mate, we're, we're, I'm I'm still ever the optimist at the moment. I'm still riding on the on the crest of that wave. So for, for me, particularly with the results tonight, 
um, or with the, the the one Peterborough result in, in any case, I'm still confident we're going to win the league. It might be blind optimism, but you look at that league table now, um, on the assumption that we we beat um, Bristol Rovers, and I know you shouldn't assume, but let's say hypothetically that, that, that we do, that Peterborough game all of a sudden isn't a must-win game. It's a, it's a, you know, you can afford to draw that game because it, the ball's in our court. We win that game in hand o- o- that we've got over Peterborough now and we jump leapfrog above them. So we no longer have to beat them. And then Hull, I, I've never really been that b- bothered about Hull and I know we should because their form is, is co- the last five is comparable to ours. They've won four and drawn one of their last five, uh, which is the same as ours. But because we've always been kind of five points behind them with two games in hand, I fall into that trap of, just presuming that games in hand equals points on the board. So I'm looking at of them going, it does. Oh, well. we all know this, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at them going, yeah, going, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we win our two games in hand, we'll be on 70 points, that's, that's fine. But up until now, I've been concerned about Peterborough because we haven't had a game in hand on them and we've been, uh, you know, two, three points behind them all the time. So that Peterborough game for me has turned from a, a must win to a just don't lose it. And all of a sudden, I'm now thinking about Hull because um, they're like I said, the form is pretty good. But I, I I think we've got this. We've got the strongest squad going. Um, we've got the strongest run of form. If you if you branch it out or expand it out longer than those last five games, we're going to win the league, mate. I agree with you. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny. I hundred percent agree with you. I actually and I've been saying it for um, for a couple of weeks. And I know a few, a few of the lads on the pods are saying we're getting promoted, but I do think we're going to go up as champions. I'm confident. And the thing for me, it feels like that. The Roy Keane season, where and I, I know I think Chris Wynn mentioned the other day, we're like a machine, we're just churning out results mm. all the time. It feels like that now, and yeah. bizarrely, I don't still think we've quite hit the real top gear. I know we've got no, you know, no, we've not. Like we, we've, it's it's exactly as you said, and, and as Chris mentioned earlier, we are kind of that machine just chugging along. You know that real slow kind of coal hauling locomotive that just chugs along but just keeps on moving forward at a, at a slow pace we, we've not played particularly well we've probably played had one really good performance that's probably the Portsmouth one in the last five six seven games but we just keep churning out the results and as long as we do that I couldn't really give a toss how we play no it's like this time of season it is all about results and Phil do you, do you ever think us obviously not having a game this week is going to really like massively help us now just to recharge batteries, refocus and, and go again. I think massively, yeah. I think we um the last, you know, four or five games, like you've both just said, we are sort of chugging along rather than, you know, playing some sort of swashbuckling football um that perhaps we saw a few weeks before. And then you get a few defeats playing like that, unfortunately. And we are it's better that we're more consistent, but I think on Saturday especially we did look um a bit leggy and yep. uh I think it's no surprise after playing on the Swamp at Accrington a few days before, then having to go again on the Saturday against a, a, a good Lincoln side. I think we just we do just need a week a week off to sort of regroup and get going again, and I think hopefully we can come back a bit better on uh, at the weekend. No, I think I, I do think this week this will help us having having a bit of a break, get us all self sorted. I've got a few players coming back from injury, which we'll go further into you know in this pod. But let's look ahead at Saturday. Now, Bomber, for yourself, we're going to say, I want to go through both your teams um, first. But one thing I did want to mention, I don't, I, I'm guilty of glossing over him quite often. Um, and that's in goal, where I think um, Lee Burge has been excellent these last few weeks. For me, had it not been 09, he was my man of the match at Wembley. 
four or five good saves, you know, a lot of crosses he sort of kept hold of. I thought he played made some excellent saves on Saturday. Bomber, do you think he's like really kind of he stepped up, but in a quiet fashion? Yeah, his improvement has kind of gone under the radar because we've seen, you know, the resurgence of, well, not the resurgence, but the emergence of Dion Sanderson and, and, and Luca Nine at, at centre back. The good stuff that Lee Burge has done has gone, like you say, largely under the radar because we've been too full of praise of, of 09 and Sanderson, if you, if you can say too full of praise. Obviously, you can't <laughs> praise him enough. Um, but yeah, Lee Burge deserves just as much credit as, as those two guys do for the amount of clean sheets that we've kept, for how kind of safe and secure we've looked at the back. And yeah, I think it's right that we do afford him a bit of time just to say fair play to him and well done to him because it did look like at one point before Christmas that his Sunderland career was was kind of dead and buried. We were talking about, you know, bringing Matthews in as, as the number one and then Matthews had a couple of ricks. And then we're talking about throwing Patterson in as, as number one and surpassing them both. So for him to, for him to come from that um, to now us basically, you know, accrediting his fair share of the credit for, for our recent run of form and our recent run of clean sheets. Um, fair play to him. You know, he was my man of the match on Saturday. If the, if he hadn't pulled off the couple of saves that he had to do, we lose that game. And then, and then all of a sudden, the next couple of weeks becomes very different prospect. So yeah, f- fair play to him and full credit. And Phil, you was nodding there. Are you in full agreement with him at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, to be honest, he's been very, very good all season. Um He's had a, a little. He did have a little blip before Christmas, but I don't think it was anything major. I think it, a lot of it came um, actually a few weeks ago when he was dropped quite weirdly for I think it was either the Shrewsbury or the MK Dons game, and it, it was a bit of a surprise. And I think that's when the real sort of conversation came over whether uh, Patterson would get a chance. You know, having mm-hmm. him just mainly because you were surprised to see him dropped. It's surprising that he's came straight back in, um, but I think we were a little bit spoiled by. Um, by John McLaughlin in his first season, and I think yeah, the, he, was, he, he was excellent. And I think the contrast, especially between like Lee Camp and Steele, um, <laughs> to to John McLaughlin, was sort don't, of thought, don't bring them up. <laughs> we thought we've got sort of Manuel Neuer in goal or something, and that's the level we're expecting. And I think he sort of dropped off last year, and then Burgess sort of, you know, he's arguably been a little bit better this year than McLaughlin was last. And I think he's sort of a high-end League One goalkeeper. I just I don't think there's much between them. I think if you put them in Hull or Peterborough or, you know, any of the top six, I don't think their their performances would would drop significantly mm. if you sort of swapped mm. keepers around. I think he's just sort of par for the course of the of yeah. the top six in League One. No, he's doing well. So, so I just wanted to you know, give him his little moment in the sunshine there. Now, let's talk about the rest of the team then. So one thing... <laughs> I did this a couple of weeks ago when I went through the team with, um, it was Malcolm Ant, and there were so many combinations and so many um, possible formations we can play that I'm going to start you both now getting your formations first because at one point, I think Malcolm had about 16 players playing for us <laughs> at one point. So, you know, we've had four four twos, we've had four three threes, we've had four two three ones, three four threes, um, four two 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 two. Let's, let's, so, <laughs> Phil. What formation are you going for, like for Saturday's game? Hey, I'm I'm going to go for a, a three four one two formation. You're so the, the, the formation. Just to throw another one in there. <laughs> yeah, just one more. The formation we finished at uh, at Akron in the second half. And Bomber, what are you going for? I'm going for my my favourite football manager formation. So four two three one. You're going four two three one. Right. So that just that 
both equals uh, equals 10, which is a good start. So defensively, obviously on Saturday we had uh, McLaughlin, Sanderson, 09, and our new goal-scoring superstar, McFadzine, um, at the back. McLaughlin is away on international duty. Bom, I'll start with you then. So who are you going for in your defence? So my back four um, will be uh, pretty much as was for the Lincoln game, with the exception of obviously McLaughlin, as you as you rightly said, he's he's away. So Max Power for me comes in at right back, and then you've got Sanderson and nine in the middle, and um, and you can't drop McFadden after scoring scoring a goal um, uh, last weekend. So th- that's my back four. I think there was a lot of talk about, um, particularly in in our groups and on the on the reaction podcast to the Lincoln one about Luke and nine perhaps coming out now that. Um, Bailey Wright is looks to be getting back to some sort of fitness, but for me, he, he's still at the moment, at least, he's still indispensable in there. You know, he he all right. He got turned quite easily and was at fault probably for the for the Lincoln goal. And there's been a his performances over the last couple of games haven't been quite up to the standard that we expect. But the game, the three games before that, he was man of the match three times in a row. And you know, he's he's taking plaudits over recognised, experienced. Um, centre halves. So I wouldn't move him out there. I don't think you need to upset the apple cart. We're, you know, we're still undefeated with those two back there. Um, so yeah, don't change it. Bailey Wright will just have to wait for his um, his chance, it, assuming again that he is fully fit. So that's that's my back four. Well, that was one thing about Bailey Wright, wasn't it? Because they, they tried to get him back for the final against Tranmere and apparently mm. took a little bit of a, a pull on, you know, it, a little setback from that. So I think you're right in what you're saying, to be honest, that Especially with the running we've got, and there's going to be a lot of games coming up. Now, just looking at the the, the dates of our you know, fixtures, it's like second, fifth, tenth, thirteenth, seventeenth, twentieth, twenty fourth, twenty seventh. We've got a lot of games mm. in April, so there's no need to rush him straight back. Make sure he's fully fit. And as you said, I think 09, I think again the lad said the other day, he's got credit in the bank from his yeah. previous performances. You know, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, he got turned a bit. He's, it happens. He's he's not a centre back, but also you know it happens to centre backs anyway. Yeah, people calling for him to come out as centre back because he's not a centre back and put him in centre midfield. There will be a time in the season when we need Luke and I to do that, or we need mm. him to fill in at right back, or we need him to, like, say, to play in that centre midfield. He's he's obviously not going to be dropped. That would be completely uh, out of the question for me to him be dropped from the starting lineup. So if he comes out as centre centre back, then he goes into centre midfield, and that means that you're dropping one of the centre midfielders who, again, have been pretty much very good across the board. Yeah. So you, you're then unfairly dropping one of those centre midfielders to accommodate Luca Nine, who's moving out to accommodate Bailey Wright. Um, so yeah, that, that back, back four doesn't change for me with the exception of power coming in from McLaughlin. And then Phil, so what are you going to go for? You've gone for a back three. Yeah, I've gone for a back three, but it's sort of like, a, it's one of those lopsided back threes. So I'd actually make the same change. Um, I'd probably have uh, power in for McLaughlin and sort of play in that right centre back position. I'm not, I'm not sort of sure what what formation they're going to play. I know they've changed it a, a few times in recent weeks, mm. so I think it'd be pretty uh, pretty helpful if we can shift from a, a three or a four, depending on what they line up with. I think that is one of the things about Lee Johnson, and I've said it on this on this pod previously, where it makes our life a lot more difficult trying to sort of pick what we're playing because we seem to play such a, a fluid formation all of a sudden, where under Parkinson, it was literally, right, Four four two, or you know, we we had these set players in these set positions, whereas now, as you say, you got power in, as a back three, but quite easily he then sort of moves onto the right hand side as a wing back, 
So it's very much said. So that's, it is really difficult to do. But so you've gone for Powers, sorry, Power, Sanderson and 09. I'll keep with you then, Phil. So for your four then on your left-hand side, are you sort of sticking with Mac, uh, McFadden? Absolutely, I'm sticking with McFadden, yeah. Um, I think, well, for the one, just like Bomber said, uh, you can't drop him after he scored a goal. And he's, he's finally, finally, after we've sort of slagged him off on these podcasts all season, he's finally found a little bit of form. And I think he's, I've seen someone on the club website where he's actually said something similar, that he's sort of glad he's finally sort of got going. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's taken him a while, it's about time, but uh, but he has, and to take him out now would be, Unbelievably harsh for me. They'd destroy him, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm actually, I've, I just realised then, is, it, is this a bit of a um, thing that's happening that we slaughtered um, Charlie Wyke at the start of the season? Um, not, not not everybody, bummer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden he's scoring goals. McFadden gets slaughtered, he's scoring goals. Should we slag somebody yeah. else off? <laughs> I think we should. Burge yeah. had a bit of criticism. Burge had a bit of criticism. Now he's coming into, it, coming into some, some very, very good form. So it's, it's not going to do with Lee Johnson whatsoever. Doesn't seem to work with Lyndon Gooch yet, though. Yeah, I was going to say. Then let's go to the uh, the centre, um, sort of like your midfield sort of area. So this week we saw a sort of power led better um, Winchester sort of middle three. Winchester sort of pushing forward more than the other two. Did you bring Scone back in? Would you? Uh, are you going to mix it up? Yeah, I'd um, I'd almost change it quite a lot. I'd bring Scone in for led better, and then I'd have Winchester sort of dropping back into his. His deeper role. I think yeah, he played all right in that position on Saturday. I think he was there to sort of make sure Bridcus couldn't get on the ball too much, and he did, and also to make sure we had more possession, uh, which we did. Um, so he did his job well on Saturday, but I think against sort of 20th in the league, um, I think he should be playing deeper as we look to attack more. I do like having um, Scan and Winchester in the centre myself. Um, mm. As much as you know, I, I like Ledbury, he's been a great great a good servant for the club and I think he offers a lot, you know, in the future in some sort of coaching capacity. Personally, I think, you know, the legs have gone a little bit now. I know he started the season well, but I like to see that. I think it slows a lot down with him, you know, being sort of so deep. Bomber, let's go to your sort of centre two then. Yeah, so my my two are the same. So the two kind of deep in midfield as a Winchester and Scow. And I've I've said a few times on this podcast that um that as much as I love Grant Ledbetter, I don't want to see him start another game for Sunderland. I want to see him coming on with 20 minutes to go or half hour to go when, when there's a game to kill off or a lead to defend in a big game. Um, Winchester and Scarham, when they've played together, um, or the more they play together, the more I'm impressed by them. I thought Winchester, he did he did the job that he was asked to, but he did look a little bit like a fish out of water in that further advanced role. Um, and I, I agree with what I think it was Chris said on the on the reaction pod is that he, he wants... He wants to have as much of the game in front of him as he possibly can to, because he's got that range of passing um, and he likes to drop in and find those little bits of space that little bit deeper. Um, obviously, the further forward you go, the more you'll spend with your back to goal and the less of the attacking uh, area of the pitch you've got in front of you. And I think he just struggled with that a little bit because um, it does severely restrict your range of passing. And, and like I said, it's, it's a completely different game playing with your back to goal than, than facing um, the opponent's half. Um, so yeah, so Winchester and and Scarron would be my my two holders. Cool. So so far, um, just a quick recap of your teams. Those keeping up, Phil's got Power Sanderson 09 as a back three, four or well, three of his four um, across the middle is uh, Scarron, Winchester, McFadzian. So Phil, who's going to be on your right hand side? Yep. Um, well, Lyndon Gooch is on my right hand side. I think it's probably the best position he's played in, apart from that sort of brief period under Parkinson where he played off the striker. 
I think if you look back to our first season, his best spell was at the start when he played sort of wing back or a very wide right right winger. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably where he showed his best form. It's always a funny one, Lyndon Gooch, and I've always said it. We still don't quite know what his best position is. Um, mm. he, I know he, he's been on the um, the official pod saying he wants to be a striker, he wants striker, to be up, yeah. up front. But as I say, he seems to be, he's not quite now done anything yet, has he, Phil? It's a bit of a, he's got a lot of like, hustle about him. He gets about a bit, but sometimes that, that decision-making's not always quite there. You know, do you agree? Yeah, I think he's sort of, he's sort of turning into a bit of a Duncan Watmore type player where he sort of, you know, he gets out injured and you go, oh, we're playing through the middle and he'll stretch defences. And then you sort of <laughs> play him there and it doesn't quite work out. And then you you put him wider and he looks good. And then he sort of goes off the boil for a couple of games. And I think he's just, he's a bit inconsistent, but I do think he sort of, like you say, he offers that sort of hustle in the press. And I think... There's definitely something there. <laughs> oh, there is, absolutely. There's a player there. I think he's shown... I mean, when we first got relegated, we were saying sort of Lyndon Gooch is a bit of a cheat code on the right wing. He was sort of just getting past his man, getting crosses in, and we were scoring goals from it. But he's obviously sort of regressed to the mean a bit since then. But, I mean, he's a good part of the squad. And I think, you know, his attributes. And I think if you can use them where it's yeah. appropriate for a given game, I think he sort of will shuffle about a bit similar to 9 I suppose. Sometimes yeah. moved in midfield, sometimes up front. Um, Bomber then, let's go for your uh, the three behind the My attacker. three in front, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this, Brett, is working on the assumption that we've got a handful of players back. So I'm going to assume, I don't know what the latest is on the injury front and whether people will be available or not. So I'm going to, I'm going a bit hypothetical here. Um, but my I would actually have um, Aidan McGeady central, uh, taking my way out of that wide berth, at least to start. But this is on the presumption that Aidan O'Brien isn't fit. Um, and Jordan Jones is so I'm manipulating people's recovery for what for my for my starting lineup. Um, so Aidan McGeady in the centre, and then I've got um, Jordan Jones and Lyndon Gooch either side of him. If O'Brien is fit, then I move McGeady out wide. Jones goes to the to the other side. Gooch drops to the bench, and Aidan O'Brien comes in the middle. Okay. So 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 we've got as as a three left to right. You've got Jones, McGeady, Gooch. If O'Brien's not fit. You've got McGeady, O'Brien, Jones, if he is fit. I read earlier that I think it's actually Jones won't play again this month. Now, right. I'm not sure what to say. It was, it was, I'm not sure how true that, that is. So I think you might, have, but O'Brien is likely to be back. Okay. Um, so it says this is Tuesday, come Thomas Pod goes out, it might have completely changed. Um, but you're going to go. It's going to well, be both three, of those. Three of both those of those four. selections has got Jones in them. So if you're saying yeah. Jones isn't going to play for the rest <laughs> yeah, of the month, you may have to come back to me. So we'll go. We'll, I'll tell you what. Then we'll go: McGeady, O'Brien, Gooch. It's going to be th- we'll, three out of those four anyway. Yeah, we'll split if, the difference. Yeah. So you're you're going for those three. Yeah. Yourself, then, Phil. You've gone for one behind two attackers. So who have you got? Yeah, I've got I've got Aid, like Bomber. I've got Aidan McGeady in the middle, um, just behind the two strikers. I think it's not McGeady's best position. I think on paper, he seems really good there. I think everyone sort of gets there and goes, oh, McGeady, in a free role, he'll sort of run the game. And he sort of, I think he always lacks the space and lacks the sort of one-on-one that he can do with a fullback out wide. But I think, you know, if we want to play this formation against this opposition, I think that's how you get him in. I think you've got to get him in. It's an interesting one, McGeady, because as you say there, everything about him should should say, yeah, put him behind the attacker, mm. like as, as like, like, you, like you've done there with Spine too. But he does seem to be, his strength seems to be on that left-hand side, 
cutting in, doing that little feint and then beating the full back to either whip across or a shot in. So it is an interesting one putting him there. Um, and then what I'll say to you, Phil, um, who are your two up front? Yep, uh, up front, the two two big lads, uh, Charlie Wake and Ross Stewart. And then um, Bomber, I'll take yours going for Wake up front. Yeah, Chazza up front. Uh, I think he, I think, well, a lot of people have said that he missed having Aidan O'Brien with him um, to provide that energy and that little bit of foil. And for how good Stuart has been, and it, it, he has been good in the, in the the flashes that we've seen him, we've not, we've not seen him enough, and he's quite he's clearly not. I'm assuming he's not up to speed to be starting games because we've only seen him for like a half and a you know a twenty minutes or so. Johnson's obviously building that up, so I don't expect him to start. Um, but obviously, he doesn't. It, it wouldn't. There wouldn't be space for him in my formation anyway. Who else could it be other than Charlie White? Yeah. It's going to be interesting, um, especially I say Phil, if you're going for um, White and Stewart, there, it's going to be interesting to see how them two actually pair up, isn't it? I think we obviously saw sort of flashes that how well it could work against Atkinson. You know, the lads, especially when you got like the wingers getting those balls in, two great targets, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, as well, just a sort of little thought about playing the two big strikers. I think they've got. Uh, Jack Baldwin playing at centre back. Yep. I think we should just sort of flow some balls up on his head, to be honest, and tell them tell them to attack it. Thing is, watch Jack Baldwin have an absolute worldie on. Um... Oh, he will. He'll <laughs> score. He'll like make some last ditch tackles. He'll yeah, I can see it. He'll be like Jack and Bauer that we thought we'd sign. I was going to say exactly that that nickname that, that appeared for about three weeks and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> vanished. <laughs> no, it'll be an interesting one. So there's your lineups then for uh, for Saturday. So Bomber's gone for. Um, Power, Sanderson, O'Nine, McFadzian, Scoen, um, Winchester, and then three of the four of um, Jones, McGeady, O'Brien and Gooch with Wyke up front. Um, and Phil's gone for uh, Power, Sanderson, O'Nine, and then a, a sort of a, a midfield four of Gooch, Scoen, Winchester, McFadzian, and then McGeady and Wyke Stewart up front. So then, gents, let's look at who we're playing. Um, Bristol Rovers, they are... Well in a relegation battle. In fact, they've just dropped into the relegation places, having lost 1-0 to Swindon. They're on 34 points, just two points off um, bottom place Rochdale. Form-wise, uh, is pretty shocking. So, uh, including tonight, they've lost 1-0 to Swindon, as I said. They've lost to Plymouth 2-0, Charlton 3-2. Um, they drew 0-0 Wimbledon. They did beat Akron Stanley 4-1, um, but then also lost 2-0 to Hull. We drew them back in September. Um, if you can remember, Burge gave away a penalty in the third minute. Maguire equalised in the 84th um, from the edge of the box and then George Dobson getting sent off in about the 96th minute of extra time. And of course, let's not forget our old friend Joey Barton has taken over. Um, so let's look forward to some clickbait articles um, on how he would get us promoted with all our resources. Bomber, after all that, what are you expecting from the... Uh, from your local, from your local sides I this guess weekend. They are, they are, they are relatively local. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Brett. I I don't really know. You know, I see their forms all over the place. They obviously they've changed their managers. Their results very recently have been poor. But then, as you've said, they've they've beaten Accrington just before that actually. So earlier on in February, they beat Portsmouth. Uh, they beat Portsmouth three one. Um, but then they've done things like lose to Swindon and Plymouth and drawn with Wimbledon also a few weeks ago they lost to Charlton but that was kind of a circumstances conspired against and then I think they had a red card and so it, they could be anything one thing's for certain is that Joey Barton in his infinite hatred for us will try and get them up for it but I, I'm not sure that you know the Bristol Rovers players hate us as much as 
Joey Barton does. So I'm not sure <laughs> whether it's going to have that much of an effect. It will be obviously be all over the press. I think that the main thing is whether or not Joey Barton affects us indirectly rather than the effect he'll have on his own players. Yeah. Because he he'll, he could rant and rave in the dressing room before the game and in in the training in the in the week. But what does concern me is that obviously the, the whole press carousel that's going to happen this week with Joey Barton, he's going to get more press coverage than he probably would because he's going to say some outlandish things. Mm-hmm. And it's whether or not that unsettles us as a team and whether it affects Lee Johnson in his decisions and the, the speeches that he makes pre-game um, and at halftime. That's the only way I can see him really affecting it because, I mean, he's not. there's not really been any sort of manager banks at Bristol Rovers. So, you know, he's not clearly not having that much of an effect um, from a morale point of view and, you know, getting an extra 10, 15% out of those players. So it, the only effect that he can have will be on us indirectly by him gobbing off. It is a funny one, isn't it, sort of Joe Barton? I think one thing it also will affect the fact that there's no Sunderland fans there for him to play up to. Mm. Um, you remember last time when we drew two all with Fleetwood? I think it was at Max Power School in the last minute, and he's there, like, tapping his badge and, you know, oh, we're small, you're big yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. I think the fact that he's not there to be this this pantomime villain um, that he, mm. you know, portrays himself to be. Um, I think for a lot of Sunderland fans... We obviously don't like Joe Barton because he was he's an ex-Newcastle player and he always sort of slags us off and, and yeah. so forth. I'm more I'd be annoyed if we lost to a Joe Barton team, if that makes sense. So that's more the only thing about him for me. Phil, you mentioned beforehand that when sort of looking at Joe Barton's team, he doesn't seem to quite know what his actual starting lineup is. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of changed formation. He seems to have played every single formation under the sun. He's played four at the back. Three at the back, one strikers, two strikers, you know, three, four, three, three, four, one, two. What I mean, almost as many formations as we've had uh, trying to guess the team, to be honest. He must have listened to your podcast the week before. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. I think, I think Joey Barton, try and get 16 players on the pitch if he can't, to be honest. Um, maybe he'll come and play centre mid for them. Uh, but yeah, so I think he is just trying to work it out. And I think the sort of Bristol Rovers squad, I, I sort of feel like the last manager that tried to play football, like sort of, I think Rochdale are doing as well. And they sort of mm. tried to change the style of play. Whereas when he was at Fleetwood, it was very much like, you know, four four two. let's get it in the box and just sort of play like you'd expect a Joey Barton team to play Run like. Yeah. yeah. And I think that he's that's sort of why he seems to be mixing it up because he's not really got the squad that's got an obvious way of playing. They're probably sort of in transition and then they've gone back to the old way with half of the new players. No, so it's, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be interesting what sort of team turns up, how sort of motivated they are. Um, what are your predictions um, for Saturday, Phil? I'll go with you first. Oh, I'll go um, 2 0. I fancy us to keep a clean sheet because two we've, nil we've kept absolutely loads. And a bomber. Yeah, so mine's not too different. I'll I'll go probably go three now. The only player really that I can see possibly causing us problems is um, what's his name, Brandon Hanlon. He's 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 all right. Obviously, they've they've messily missing Johnson Clark Harris, but I can't really see him threatening us. To be fair, um, given their what what they're doing at the minute, and they don't really know the best team, the best squad, best formations. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go three now. Good stuff. So both got. Hopefully, after we said all that good stuff about Bird, she does keep a clean sheet this weekend. <laughs> yeah. um, we have got a couple of questions uh, from Twitter, but before I sort of go to those um, and uh, chuck them on you, um, I must say a massive well done to everyone who's got involved with the Sunderland Together virtual tickets. 
Sunderland supporters have raised over £174,000, which is quite frankly ridiculous. Um, mm. So well done, everyone involved. What a fantastic idea it was. That's helped so many uh, people in Sunderland. And also not forgetting that the Tranmere um, did their one as well. They raised over 50000 so over £200,000 raised for charities. Amazing. Hats off to everyone involved yeah, in those. Brilliant. As I said, I did put a little shout-out on Twitter earlier to get some uh, some questions. and I think We have answered some of them um, along the way, actually, in, in this pod. So uh, we had one, some, we had a few questions about injuries. Uh, Chris Day and Aluacine Bamboy um, did uh, both ask about injuries. As I put, Jordan Jones, we think he's out to the end of the month. Denver Hume, who... Now, as I say, as it's on Tuesday night, apparently played against Gateshead in a friendly today, like a closed door, uh, behind closed doors ones. We've not heard much about it. Um, there is a rumour um, that something's been started on ready to go that it was 3-0. We don't know if that's true or not, to be fair. So um, that was 3-0 a defeat. Um, but apparently Hume was playing for that. Um, and there was also, hopefully, some minutes for Aidan O'Brien and Benji Kimbioka. Um, again, we don't know if that's... Uh, true or not so hopefully they could be involved somehow I think maybe it could still be too soon um, for Hume at this stage I had a question also from um, Michael Bowers how important is it in your opinion that we try to ignore the Joe Barton stupidity and just focus on the team we're kind of against now we've sort of again touched upon that yeah. Um, so yeah just try and ignore Joe Barton because he's a dickhead um, <laughs> Anthony Gare um, I hope I got his surname right oh Anthony oh, yeah. Gare Gare yeah. <laughs> Gare are you Jason Cundy? Um, I think that's one for you, Bomber. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anthony, I'm not Jason Cundy. Um, Joe Gorman, Shag Mary Void, McGeady, Jordan Jones, or Charlie Wyke? Uh, Bomber, do you fancy that? Oh. oh. What was the three options? McGeady, Jordan Jones, or Charlie Wyke? Oh, I'd have to avoid Charlie Wyke because it'd just be really oh. awkward. The amount of <laughs> slagging off I've, I've done of him the last year or so. Uh, Jordan Jones, quite a good-looking lad, isn't he? Yeah, so we'll marry Aidan McGeady, and we'll uh, we'll have a bit of Jordan Jones. That's a fair one. Phil, did you fancy that question? No, I'm I'm, I'm binning off I'm binning off Jordan Jones. I'm binning off Jordan Jones. He's only on loan, so he can get back to. Uh, oh yeah, he's gonna gonna break my heart. Not for the ball, back up to Scotland and break my heart. Just get through us, pitch promoted lads, and then we can do whatever you want with us. Right. Um, <laughs> last question, Mark Koopmans. Um, good question, this one actually, Mark. So thoughts on McGeady not being picked for the Ireland Ireland squad. Could that negativity affect him, or is it a reason to ramp up his game even more um, this Saturday? A middle finger salute uh, to those who didn't pick him. Bomber, what are your thoughts on that? Is it, you know, is it good? That, personally, I think it's good that he's not in the Irish team because I think I'd rather him playing for Sunderland. Yeah. Um, but so from a yeah, from, from I'll, I'll let you go from his point of view. <laughs> yeah, from a selfish point of view, yeah, it's good. I mean. I, I don't really know. I, did did, did Aidan McGeady really expect to ever play for Ireland again while he was sat training with the 23s for, um, or training on his own with Phil Parkinson? Probably not. So I, I, he's probably already come to terms with the fact that he probably wouldn't play for Ireland again. Yeah. You know, his recent form and his resurgence has sparked those conversations again. But, you know, he's been out of that for such a long time now. Um, I don't think it will really affect him. I, I I don't know. Obviously, I don't know Aidan McGee. I don't know whether he had aspirations to ever play for Ireland again. But I I don't really think it's going to affect him. Um, I don't think he's probably di- that disappointed by it. it. He probably kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens. Great. But if not, you know, him he he probably wants to play for Sunderland more. He's going to if he's going to win something or achieve something be- between now and the end of his career, it's going to be with Sunderland yeah. and not with Ireland. So you know. He'll probably, I'd like to think, want to do all that he can 
to to help push Sunderland across the line, across the finish line. Personally, I don't see it affecting him at all. But like I said, I don't know the man, so. Uh, Phil, what you, your, your last comments on that one? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I, I can't see it affecting them at all. I mean, it's not as if they're playing in a, a major tournament. If they, you know, say if they were going to the Euros and he hadn't been selected, I sort of get why he'd want to go, especially yeah, at point. his stage of his career, sort of like a, yeah. putting the cherry on top of his sort of international career. But I mean, I'd imagine he went to the, the last one they qualified for. I mean, I'm not sure, but he seemed to be of a, about the right age where he would have been in the squad for that Euros they qualified for. So he sort of ticked that off. And I mean, mm. I don't think they've scored for about a year and a bit. So to be honest, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not play for them if I was uh, Ian McGeady. Because if he shouted uh, Callum McFadden, God knows what he'd do with some of the people in the Irish squad. Right then, um, gents, we were, we're done. Bomber, great to have you on board. Uh, so it's been a while since you've been on an extra. Nice to yeah, see you. Yeah, good to be back on the extra and, and looking forward to games rather than looking backwards at performances. So yeah, thanks, Brett. And uh, Phil, thank you very much for coming on board for your first time. It wasn't too painful for you. Yeah, not too painful. <laughs> yeah, not as painful as a night with uh, Jordan Jones or Aidan McGeady or Charlie White. <laughs> <laughs> Join us again uh, this weekend back for another ratings pod. I've been Jason Cundy, apparently. Um, <laughs> and fuck off, Joey Barton. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.